Have you ever thought about adding commercial real estate into your business? We're going to talk about that today. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name's DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And if you're new here, we talked in top producing brokers and ask them how they grow their business. And today we have a super exciting episode. Moses Hall is going to be here to talk all about commercial and everything that residential agents really need to know about it. But before we get to Moses, the best way that you can help us continue to put out these episodes is by telling other realtors about us. So please tell anyone you know about our show. Um, They can go to our website and stream every episode we've ever done, keepingitrealpod.com, or just pull up a podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, and have your friend hit that subscribe button. We would appreciate it. But enough about me. Let's get on to our main event, our interview with Moses Hall. Hall from Mohawk Commercial and Urban Development here in Chicago. Let me tell you about Moses. Now, Moses Hall is a commercial broker and started his real estate career in 2014 as a licensed realtor. And through collaborative effort, uh, his ultimate goal is to revitalize communities and build wealth through real estate on the south side of Chicago. Now, Moses's mission has been highlighted in publications as he received the prestigious honor of being named Realtor Magazine's 30 Under 30 Class of 2019, which is a huge, huge deal. Uh, Moses previously served as a 2021 National Association of Realtors Chair of the Commercial Economic Issues and Trend Forum. Uh, He's also the Chair of the Global Business Council for the Illinois Realtors and is also on the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors. Please follow please visit Moses at his website, which is Mo Hall. That's M-O Hall Commercial UD. So Mo Hall Commercial UD.com. And also follow him on Instagram at Mo Hall Commercial. By the way, both of those uh, links are in our show notes. So follow him on Instagram and visit Mo Hall Commercial UD.com. Moses, thanks for being on our show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. 
Yeah, well, you you are such a, an amazing, uh, I don't want to call you a rising star because I think your star is already in the sky. Uh, <laughs> it's already risen, um, but it, it continues to, to shine bright. And we are uh, really excited and, and very rarely on our show do we have any real conversations outside of the traditional residential world. And when I say traditional residential, I'm talking condos, uh, could be rental rentals uh, where people live. So, so residential rentals, you know, condos for sale, single family homes, uh, those, those type of traditional people buying or selling property where they live. Um, we almost never have discussed uh, investments. We, we did for a while when I first started five years ago. Um, we, and then we realized we can't do it as well as uh, some of the other podcasts like Bigger Pockets, and, um, and we just haven't really explored any other sectors of commercial, whether it's you know multifamily investing, mixed use, or like, hey, I specialize in gas stations or in factories or development deals in these, you know, whatever. So, so um, we are really excited to chat with you because I would love to, because it's a big question we get on our, uh, in, from our listeners, which is, Hey, how do I get into commercial? And it's like, well, I don't know what that means, right? Like there's commercial is such a broad term. It's like, um, how do you, you know, it, it's like, uh, it, it's so broad. It doesn't yeah. have a specific answer. So um, bef before we get to all of that, I'm just giving the audience a taste of, of what we're going to be <laughs> sort of chatting about. I would love to hear your journey because you're relatively young. You, yes. you have, you've accomplished a tremendous amount and you're actively involved in helping uh, the National Association of Realtors, as well as on the state level and yeah. the local community level, you have been involved in, in really all major areas of real estate. And um, really, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for, for you know, all of the help you're giving every one of our listeners by helping support realtors. So thank you for, for your service um, in, in all of those areas. It's really, uh, we're really honored that people step up to do that like yourself. But on top of that, you're also extremely successful as, as, as a commercial agent. So um, how did you get into real estate? So funny little tidbit, I actually have a background in the performing arts. I actually grew up playing piano. And so I'm originally from New York. And if you ever seen the movie Fame, um, sure. that was what my high school was based off of. So wow. I went to the Fame school and I studied jazz performance. And so the reason I mentioned this uh, tidbit of my life is because I started to get interested in real estate while I was in high school. And that was kind of during the phenomenon of when we had reality shows start to go crazy, like flip this house and different sure. things of that nature. And that was during the, the real estate booming. You know, that was the circa I was in high school between. 2004, 2007. And so I've seen a lot of, you know, my family and peers and church members get into real estate. And so it piqued my interest because I knew people that were appraisers, agents, inspectors. And of course, you know, at 15, 16 years old, you can't get into the industry. You're not legal enough yet. So uh, by the time I graduated high school, that was when we had the big market crash. Yeah. And so I transitioned from New York and moved to Chicago to attend Columbia College, Chicago. And I studied uh, music business, uh, you know, because one of the things that I realized is you always see all these documentaries about artists and selling millions of records, and then they're broke. 
And, you know, I didn't want to be that starving artist. So essentially my degree is, is a focus, it's a business degree, but with a focus and emphasis on the music industry. And so as I transitioned from, uh, you know, college student to college grad, I decided to explore once again, because the market had shifted from when I had graduated high school, I decided to uh, explore getting back into real estate. And um, I knew from a, a personal side that I didn't necessarily want to do residential. The goal was always commercial from an investment perspective. And so um, that's kind of how I, I kind of uh, transitioned into jumping into uh, you know, commercial real estate. So shortly after uh, graduating college, I did one year, um, I operated an event space. And, and then after I uh, did that for a year, I decided to go ahead and get my broker's license. And I started January 2014 as a licensed realtor. Amazing. Um, and it started immediate. Well, actually, I want to go back. So yeah. back to the New York uh, uh, side, yeah. because you were on your way to probably like uh, maybe a Juilliard or. Right. Right. So so that 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 was that was your path. And that's, um, yeah. you know, that's the yeah fame. Fame is you know, yeah. a, a great, a great. I'm glad you mentioned that. And maybe a lot of our audience will go like, I don't know what that is, because, <laughs> because it was the early 80s when that movie yeah. came out. But uh, it, it's a great film, but in great yeah. music, but. Anyway, that's where you were headed, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, and there's probably other schools too. Maybe, right. I don't know, Berkeley's out Berkeley, in California. Yeah. I, I actually did a summer program at Berkeley and I was looking at that school as well. And sure. so essentially the arts was kind of my dad. Yeah, that's where you were, that's what yeah. you're thinking. But, but and, and, always, and then you started, you start, I guess, started thinking, hey, you know, there's limited career options here. Um, right. I also, you know, maybe you didn't, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's just obviously you can be the greatest uh, you know, pianist, um, yeah. and maybe you're playing with a symphony or, or you're playing, right. uh, in a band or, or, or doing whatever, yeah. but it's, it, there isn't an immediate obvious path to, you know, sort of building a, a successful, right. especially now the music career being right. so tricky. So it makes perfect sense. Um, and I'll have to remind, um, uh, one of us will have to remind us to ask you what your favorite pieces that you ever uh, played, if if you can remember. So we could ask to say that I say that to the end. Uh, yeah. But I am um, I I love uh, love music as well. I've been playing it most of my life. I started on piano, not to the extent that that you did, but uh, transitioned <laughs> to guitar when I was thirteen, and and have done that ever since. But um, so why why did you start with commercial? Just out of curiosity, because I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm going to guess it's 99% of people who get their license do not start there. Um, so yeah. let's talk about, and because it's, it's the typically the less immediate path, right? Yeah. There's, there tends to be a longer lead time between starting as a commercial agent. And again, yeah. we should probably define what commercial is in a moment, but uh, it's a much, typically a lot longer. My, my brother-in-law is a commercial a broker down in Florida yeah. and, um, you know, gosh, he, he works mostly on, with storefronts and, and things. Yeah. And, and he, um, it's amazing that he'll be like, he'll work on a deal for two years. Yeah. And, and then when it hits, it's a really good hit, but yeah. he isn't eating for two years, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I, I appreciate the hustle there, but why, why'd you decide to go that route? So as I mentioned, um, mm -hmm. when I transitioned as a college student, college grad, I uh, realized that most artists need some form of space, whether you're a dancer, whether you're a musician, whether you're a singer, 
or painter or whatever, you need a space to showcase your art. And so I thought, hey, why not go ahead and lease a commercial loft? So I had an artist loft that I leased out to other artists. And what happened was I came across an old article about the building owners and when they bought the building and pretty much how much they paid for it because before, uh, you know, it grew to what it is now, it wasn't really developed when they bought it. And so I, I paid attention to what they bought it for. I did the math of what they were collecting rents from me and other tenants in the building. And I said, man, they are making a cash cow. <laughs> I need to understand commercial investment on how to see the vision of a value add property, buy it, renovate it, lease it up. And then when I learned about how you can refinance a property and, and kind of, you know what I'm saying, do it all over again, sure. I said, I, I, I want to do this in commercial because the thing with resident, I mean, residential is typically if you're doing a rental property, let's just say a single family home or a condo, if you have one vacancy, you have a hundred percent vacancy <laughs> right. versus, versus commercial where there's typically additional tenants, um, depending on, like you said, we, we got to define what commercial is, but typically there are multiple tenants. And if you have one vacancy, it doesn't like a single family home, it doesn't necessarily wipe out your entire investment. So um, me just reading an old article uh, kind of sparked my interest. And then from the music side, I was watching a uh, Ray Charles documentary. And when he passed away, they said his net worth was 75 million. And the crazy part was 50 of that was due to real estate. Yeah. And so I said, there's a way to combine my love for the arts and my love for real estate. And, you know, just seeing other artists, when you hear about their net worth and they break it down, real estate is always in their portfolio. You're absolutely right. I, I think to like um, Roger Waters, who is uh, the, the the basically the lead songwriter and bass player for Pink Floyd, although he hasn't been with Pink yeah. Floyd forever. He's still, uh, because their albums still sell well, he's still one of the highest paid musicians, but his real estate portfolio is like insanely uh, successful. So there are, it, you are absolutely right. Every sort of, you know, wealthy celebrity that that has, you know, financial advisors are, those financial advisors are going to tell, find income producing opportunities for them. And there's a lot of tax advantages too. Right. Um, so, so you were essentially doing it um, with the space before you became an owner, you were essentially doing it on sure. a smaller scale. And you're like, Hey, wait a minute, I right. might as well uh, uh, become the owners of, of a place like this. And then you get, of course, you get to realize all those additional benefits. Um, so let's, let's, let's take a step back just to make sure our audience understands what part, what commercial you particularly focus in. Um, because of course there's so many different kinds. Right. Um, let, let's talk about what, what, what specialty that is, is your interest. So actually I've, I've had experience in all types of commercial. So I'll break down the commercial, uh, sectors. So we have what's called retail. Um, so it's typically anytime you go into a store, and you're buying, you know, a piece of clothing like H&M, you know, things of that nature. That's what we kind of consider retail commercial. And then we have uh, industrial warehouse. So typically that's kind of where stuff is stored, you know, manufactured, things of that nature. Then we have office. So that's typically where you go to work, you know, that type of stuff. And then we have what's multifamily. So multifamily 
uh, commercial is typically five units or more. So if you live in a larger uh, housing complex, like a hundred, there's a hundred units, we would consider that even though it's residential, people are living there, but we consider that commercial because it's five units or more. So those typically the general uh, sectors in commercial real estate. And I have experience with all of those uh, sectors. I've done deals and all those different things, but I would say my, my sweet spot of a lot of deals that I do on a day-to-day -day basis would be multifamily and industrial deals. Wow, that's that's interesting. Look, because those are very different uh, yeah. in, in my mind, but they're yeah. both um, very cool. I think because the the multifamily, I think, is is easier for uh, strictly residential agents right. to sort of wrap their mind around. They understand right. it because they're probably doing some rentals themselves as realtors, uh, and they certainly understand people live places right. and they live in apartment buildings. And right. here in Chicago, we have a lot of of multifamily right. uh, properties, um, you know, compared to other cities. And especially uh, Chicago South Side has just a ton of the, right. of that. And um, but also the the industrial side is very interesting because to me that's a that's a, that, that's you know typically not in in the 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 super urban areas those that are right. mostly residential you know you may be going more to the outskirts these are bigger uh, of course properties that uh, have a whole different skill set I'm sure that's needed from you to right. be able to effectively uh, you know place a client in in their space right. or find you know be able to list it and and help you know sell it uh, but I am um, I am fascinated so we get a lot of people who ask us, hey, I want to get into commercial. And of course, first would be, okay, well, what sector, right? What sector interests? Um, but um, let's talk about um, sort of, I want to first, before we get into that, I want to hear, because I think this is really important, is you are not just a commercial broker um, doing commercial deals. You have a mission and a purpose that I think is really uh, important for our, our audience to understand why we're so excited to have you. So can you talk about your ultimate vision for what you can do in the commercial space? Yes. Uh, so my ultimate vision is to revitalize urban communities. I know there's this buzzword and it's kind of like a kill word, gentrification, gentrification, gentrification. I know that's kind of like where everyone runs. But my goal is to improve these communities without displacing the original uh, native residents in the uh, area. And when you go through uh, Chicago's South Side, it is so beautiful to understand the historic uh, properties and uh, history of it, especially like communities on the South Side, like Bronzeville, to know yeah. being a musician myself and to know how many jazz musicians settled in this community and built their name and how many clubs and, you know, uh, performance venues happened to be in this area. And then over the years, obviously, it fell into despair. And now it's making a comeback. Oh, you know, now that we have new development and I feel like through commercial real estate is one of the best avenues to improve these communities, because one of the, the, the things that kind of help improve communities is new development, bringing businesses here. Uh, when you bring businesses here, that means there's job opportunities with job opportunities. That means there's a need for housing. So it's kind of like a trickling effect of things that happen through commercial real estate. So that's kind of my focus is to really build up because I feel even though I'm not originally from Chicago, I feel that Chicago is a beautiful city. It has a it has its challenges, but I think as a as a group, a collective group, we can overcome those challenges. 
Yeah, I uh, I couldn't agree more, and I'm I'm really um, impressed that you have this sort of higher calling. Aside from you know, obviously the success you're you're experiencing personally is this like, hey, I want to make a difference, and it doesn't just extend to your business. Um, and 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 I think first of all, everyone listening. Um, if you don't have a higher purpose, and it doesn't mean, of course, that you have to save the world. Um, that's not what we're, we're, we're saying. But whatever part that you can contribute to your local community as realtors, this is where we live and play, is in a local community. Um, anything you can do to uh, to make that community a little shinier, a little, a little more beautiful, or just uh, helping out uh, when there's need, um, I think not only will ultimately help your business because people are very attracted to working with agents who do think that way. So aside from it, that's kind of a secondary benefit, but the primary benefit is you're gonna have a heck of a lot of fun and you're going to be able to, to immerse yourself in a community and say, I wanna help because this is where my business is and I work here and I want to be, uh, I want to be a, a beacon of, of light. Um, and this for you doesn't just extend to your business. This is something that, that you are, are somebody that I've been very impressed with for, for as long as I've known of you. Um, because you also give back to the realtor community. So aside from just, Hey, the local community in the parts of the South side that are like really interesting to you that you want to make more beautiful and better and bring jobs. You also say, Hey, every realtor out there, I want to help you too. And you've served at the local state and national level. So can, can we talk just to digress a little bit from commercial? Because if, if people are listening, if nothing else, um, Moses is, is, a really great example of how you can become a leader within the realtor community, um, whether it's local or, or nationwide. So you could talk, can you talk about why that's important to you and, and why you enjoy doing that? Yes. I, I think a lot of us get caught up in the, you know, I get a lead, I show a property, I put a contract in and I close a deal and I get my check. And I had to learn there's more to this industry than that. And a big part of my job is advocacy standing on the front lines and advocating for others that don't have a voice. And so it was important to me once I learned that there are positions and leadership opportunities for me to serve my, my association, not just on a local level or a national level, it was a no brainer for me to get involved. And you know, like I said, and there's also a, a personal benefit because there are certain things that are on the legislation table that can immediately impact our business. You know, when COVID happened, this was the first time that as realtors, if you were struggling, that you could apply for un unemployment. Why was that, right? That was because we had people advocating on our behalf on Capitol Hill. This is why it's important to get involved because there are certain things that directly impact your day-to-day -day business. Yeah. It, and there's so much that can be said about why getting involved is, uh, is important. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. I was thinking about this, um, the other day I, I was, I was, I was feeling a little down. I was having a tough day. Um, just to not having to get into specifics, but it was just whatever, yeah. I was having a tough day. And I had a, um, the Chicago association was, was doing a, a, a little volunteer opportunity for a couple of hours, actually at an, at an industrial, uh, warehouse, um, here in Chicago. And, and I had already signed up for it, but I was like, ah, it's not that I didn't want to go. I just was yeah. feeling kind of down. I had a, other things going on and, and I wasn't, I was like, okay, I, I'm going anyway. So I showed up and I, and I, and I helped and it was, I love, I love doing things like that. But 
I came home and I thought, you know what nobody ever tells you? And I, I, this is a little selfish, but it's a nice selfishness, I think, because you're, you're helping is you get to feel good about yourself when yeah. you contribute in, in any yeah. way, whether it's giving yeah. back, you know, uh, to, to realtors as you have yeah. giving back to your community. There's a certain sense of like, I'm doing some good here that yeah. helps uh, self-esteem. It helps confidence. Yeah. It just helps you feel good. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, you know, you're, you, you should be rewarded, yeah. uh, you know, with all of these accolades because you right. help out, but you're going to get to feel good regardless of if right. anyone ever knows you're doing it or not. And I, um, I, I really wish I had learned that much earlier in life. Um, because, yeah. uh, I think that, that it is a tremendous way to not only further one's career right. um, and, and, and knowledge, and, right. but also just to, to go, you know what, I am actually making a, a little, right. at least a little bit of a difference. Right. I, I think one of the, the best feelings I ever had when I served on the uh, car uh, foundation, we partnered with another organization that helped displace homeless families. And so there was this family of like eight um, single yeah. parent and oh. they were living shelter to shelter. We were able to <clears throat> secure them housing and we helped them move in and set up their furniture. Yeah. And so when the kids walked in and saw that they had their own bed for the first time in oh. year, I mean, the, I mean, the joy on their faces, like you said, that gratification of, I know I'm in the right field. I know I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And you can bring joy to little kids faces that were displaced um, for years. Um, and to see that they were just happy just to have their own bed. Wow. A single parent with eight kids. I mean, that's seems like the toughest mountain in the world to climb. Yeah. And that person was, and then having to move and to yeah. shelter to shelter. I mean, not to get hung up in, in that particular story, but but like if we all just think about that, every single one of us listening can have an impact in somebody's life, whether it's you know through helping them personally uh, or or helping. Uh, as, as Moses, if you, yeah. you've done it, even on, on the national yeah. level. Um, and you are now on the um, board of directors for National Association of Realtors as well. Yeah. Yes. So let's, congratulations on that. That is a huge, huge deal. Um, can you talk about what, uh, what is, go so you, you, you deal a lot with commercial. Yes. Um, and the National Association of Realtors, again, commercial is a relatively small percentage of the overall number of transactions done by realtors in the country, of course, yeah. because, you know, we all have to live somewhere. Uh, so the most of the, uh, the transactions are going to be residential. But if it, what would you say to our audience for anyone that says, you know, I would like to add in, I'm a residential broker or, and I, I'm sorry, guys, when I say broker in Illinois here, we only have brokers. So mm -hmm. if just it's an interchangeable word with agent, realtor. So just excuse my language, states are different. So we'll just say agents from going forward so I don't confuse the audience. Uh, Cause like in Florida, broker is like usually the person that's in charge, the boss. Yeah. And anyway, whatever, every they. Oh, by the way, if anyone from National Association of Realtors is listening, if we could just make it the same in every state, that would be <laughs> awesome. Cause it would make my life easier. <laughs> so do it for me, please. Um, no, I'm teasing. Uh, but, um, for people that are thinking, hey, I'm a residential agent and I'm thinking about, uh, you know, maybe adding in, um, uh, uh, you know, some new skills and maybe one of those is commercial. Number one, do you recommend that if for a, tr a, a, a you know, an ex almost exclusively residential person? Um, or do you typically recommend, you know what, partner with somebody who really specializes in that sector? So 
as we kind of mentioned before, there's so many different sectors of commercial real estate, and it depends on the intensity of the deal. There are a lot of moving parts within the commercial real estate sector. So let's just say we're doing a, a, a commercial lease, like a, you know, a retail, you know, like you say, you're representing the store. There are different types of leases. It's not like your general lease, like residential, where you may have a one-year lease, you know, typically commercial, our leases are a lot longer at minimum three years, um, you know, on, you know, average, but of course it can go up to 20 years, 25 years, depending on the, the intensity and caliber of the deal. But the reason I mentioned that is there are so many nuances. And if you don't understand the lease, you can do a disservice to your client not understanding what type of lease, the nuances, the, the lingo, the language, and having understanding. So I, I would say it would be great if you don't, it's hard to take a crash course, you know, in commercial real estate. But now if it's kind of like a, I'm, you're dealing with like a small mom and pop, you know, that owns a little, you know, 600 square feet storefront, you might be able to wiggle your, you know, self, you know, through the deal. But if we're talking about you're looking at a strip center mall or something of that caliber and you're dealing with an institutional landlord, you can't really wiggle your way, um, you know, through those type of deals. Because like you said, we have a different process. Normally with a residential contract, you already have a pre-made contract laid out. All you got to do is fill in the terms. With commercial, we start with what's called a letter of intent. And that kind of spells out the terms that we're looking for, and there's a lot of moving parts. So to your question, would I recommend someone that has no commercial experience to try to do a commercial deal? No, I would definitely refer it um, refer it out or partner with someone. I do have a lot of residential referral partners that I do partner with. And if they do want to learn, they can shadow me in the deal and we'll kind of work through the deal. I'll be the lead agent on it and we'll kind of work. And I kind of train agents in that way to, you know, to do commercial deals. But it is not like a fly-by-night type of thing that you uh, can do. Now, I will say, depending on your local association, I know uh, the Chicago Association of Realtors does a good job of offering uh, electives and classes on commercial real estate. There are also other trade uh, associations. Uh, we have what's called ICSC, um, that's for uh, retail. Uh, we have uh, ULI, that's for, uh, it's called Urban Land Institute. Uh, so there are different other trade organizations within the commercial industry that you can join to be a part of. And they also offer different uh, commercial classes. But I think the biggest thing is uh, wherever you hold your license, if they do commercial training. That, that's yeah, that's, the, that's the really biggest thing. You're absolutely right. And I'm sorry for stepping on on what you said. And, and just in case it didn't come through, because um, I was blabbing on, um, <laughs> Moses was saying, hey, if the company you work at, if that's not really what they do, um, then maybe consider, you know, referring it to a true commercial broker and, and, and vice versa, right? So there's like, we get calls from um, uh, people who work at these large institutional uh, commercial firms like a Marcus and Millichap, yeah. Cushman and Wakefield, Jones Lang LaSalle, CBRE, those big, huge companies where they're like, we don't even know about residential. Like we don't, right. we don't let our agents do residential. Right. They only can do these, you know, the, these big giant deals and they refer people back to residential right. agents as well. And they get paid on those referrals. Right. Um, so, um, and I, I think it's really cool too, because 
like you were saying, you partner with agents. Um, and, and I'm just curious and, and please, uh, I hope this does not come across, um, in a way that suggests that you're doing this for this reason. Cause I know you're not, you have this amazing altruistic quality to you, but I'm just curious being as visible as you are because of how much you serve the local uh, associations as well as the state and the national. I'm curious from a referral perspective, um, do because you're more visible, do you do other people reach out to you simply because they know that you contribute in these ways and say, hey, by the way, I do have a, an opportunity in Chicago. Maybe they're not even a local broker. Yeah, absolutely. I, I matter of fact, um, I just... Uh had the opportunity to um, go to France. Um, and I represented the uh, Illinois Realtors at one of the largest commercial real estate conferences called MIPM. And um, their NAR does have a presence at that booth. And I actually ran into uh, someone um, from another you know, state that was like, oh, hey, I um, sent uh, so-and-so, I gave them your number because they were looking for an industrial uh, property in Chicago. And uh, you're like the first person I thought of in commercial. So yeah. And I was like, yeah, we, we talked in X, Y, and Z. So to your point, yes, people do, um, you know, because I do hold certain positions and, you know, leadership and I, I, you know, I am, you know, fortunately a top producer within the Chicago Association of Realtors and commercial. So top of mind, people think to send me referrals from other cities, other states and other positions as well. Yeah, it's a nice sort of uh, ancillary or just sort of accidental benefit, um, which yeah. I know is not the reason why you serve. <laughs> but, but, but it is. But it is a benefit. Um, and, yeah. and, and when you do you uh, serve in these positions, it should be some benefit to you because it is a lot of commitment to serve in these positions. Like you said, you were having, you know, not so the best day, but you were still committed to going to this event. There should be some type of benefit in doing these things. So, yes, as a as a as a byproduct of me leading um, in these positions, yes, I do get referrals and I am top of mind to people. Great. And um, I have a question too about uh, about the commercial side, which is around, um, let, you know, it's funny, we should, let's just talk about what a typical commission might actually be, because I feel like residential agents really don't understand how commissions are even structured oftentimes for commercial. And again, it depends on the sector, obviously, yeah. but we're talking, let's look at maybe the most accessible version of commercial, <laughs> which would be maybe retail, because this oh. residential agents do get those opportunities. Yeah. So the, the thing is, um, and I'm glad you mentioned that one in commercial, you have to make sure if depending on what side you're representing, if you're representing the buyer or the tenant, you want to make sure that there's a commission being offered, you know, right. Like the MLS, typically MLS, there's a commission stated. A lot of times commercial practitioners do not use the MLS. We have other platforms and tools like CoStar LoopNet and Craxy and other Craxy, yeah, sure. And sometimes the commission is not stated. So number one, you need to ask, what is the commission? Um, and you're saying, you know, what a general uh, feel for what commission is, um, not to violate any antitrust no, law. No, no, no. No, no, I know, I know. Yeah. I'm just, you know, making a statement. But um, but with retail, it can be structured differently. Like like you said, I, I just did a, a, a lease. Sometimes you can get a percentage um, on the first year of the lease, and then a different percentage on the rest of the years. Cause like I said, sometimes you're signing five, 10 year leases. So you may get a percentage uh, when they first sign the lease and then you may get another check when they actually open up for business 
and then you may get another check, um, you know, after one year of being in business. So there's different uh, commission schedules, depending on what type of commercial it is. You know, if it's a sale, typically, like you said, you can just do a flat, you know, percentage uh, split between you and the cooperating broker. So, I mean, it's similar um, to residential and the commission, but like I said, sometimes if it's a larger deal, you're not getting your money all up front. You may have to split it in quarters, and sometimes you may get paid on renewals of yeah. lease and different things like that. Yeah, I had a. I was talking to a broker yesterday who was an attorney who only does commercial, uh, not on this podcast, just uh, yeah. somebody here, here at our firm. And she was telling me, I don't even remember what the actual deal was, but yeah. she didn't really get into too much detail, but she said she would get paid three times on it. And it was something like 4% of yeah. the, maybe the lease or whatever, yeah. uh, three different years. Yeah. And, um, but it, but I guess the point is, is it's, it can be structured any which way. Yeah. And, it's it's, it's and that, the wild, wild west in commercial. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which which is also a good reason to maybe not as a residential as a true residential agent try to go go that route because there's just a lot because it's so flexible and right. so there's just so many different ways in which it can be structured right. and you sort of just don't want to be in a position where if you're like I really don't know this this area that all of a sudden maybe you're putting the client in a bad situation without realizing it and maybe even putting yourself in a bad situation with hey. respect to commissions yeah because um like you said I, I mean like I said generally speaking sometimes um, with residential rentals, you may be offered half a month, months, you know, there's a range to that. There's no industry standard, but just generally speaking. Yeah. But with commercial, if you represent a tenant and they sign a five-year lease, you're shortchanging yourself <laughs> to only get a <laughs> half a month's rent when you could have gotten paid, like you said, three times. But if you don't know any better, and if your brokerage don't know that this is kind of, and like you said, certain commercial agents, they may know that you don't do commercial. So they may just say, well, they'll take this. I ain't got to pay them that. Right. So it pays to know these types of things. Yeah. And, and also too, um, you mentioned uh, the, there isn't really a true commercial MLS. We, we have our MLS, which is, right. does have some commercial properties right. on it. Probably every local MLS does right. to some extent, but a lot of commercial property, uh, you know, never hits the local MLS. It right. might hit um, some third party, we'll call them unofficial MLSs like yeah. Crexy, CoStar yeah. LoopNet. Yeah. Um, and if you're somebody who really is trying to play in the, in the commercial space and you don't subscribe yeah. to those types of services, you don't have as much access to those listed properties because the MLS is just going to have limited exposure to commercial um, sure. because just a lot of things just, just exchange hands outside of the MLS. And if you look to, to get those types of memberships, CoStar, LoopNet, Crexy, et cetera, they tend to be quite costly. Not that they're not worth it. They're yeah. just expensive. And if you're already paying you know, $1,500 a year for your local MLS, and yeah. then you're paying maybe another, uh, you know, grand or two or, or more yeah. for these other, it, it gets costly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's the, also another thing is that people want the big commission checks, but don't sure. want the investment. You know, the reason there's a higher entry barrier to commercial because like you said, the, the payout can be potentially bigger, 
but you have to be able to invest in yourself. So like you said, when you asked if, if it's a residential person that doesn't know anything about commercial and they try to cut corners, because like you said, if, if, you're, if you're representing a buyer and they ask, they ask you, oh, hey, what, is, what should our offer be? What is this property worth? You can't go in the MLS. Not easy to run know. comps. <laughs> yeah, because there's not going to be any data. Right. Uh, you have to go through some of these third parties or you have to have relationships with certain brokers to get, you know, to give them a call. Like, hey, I know you listed so and so, you know, what did it you know, end up moving for? And you have to understand that with commercial, there's different evaluation processes. So like, you know, with uh, residential, typically, you know, you guys use the sales uh, comparison approach which is for the sticks and bricks of the building, right? They're the values typically the same for a residential property, whether it's occupied or vacant, you know, generally speaking. Now with commercial, that value may be completely different, right? If it's yep. occupied or vacant. Prime example, there was a, a, a California investor that purchased uh, like a KFC here in the Chicago market. Um, he ended up, uh, he bought, you know, KFC was the tenant. He bought the uh, real estate and KFC was on the lease. And I think it was like a 10, 15 year lease. He bought it for like 1.2 million. Um, I think the pandemic had hit and somehow someone didn't do their due diligence. Um, I don't know how, but KFC, they didn't personally guarantee the lease. The, the um, franchisee didn't personally guarantee the lease. These are, these are commercial terms. And they were able to wiggle out of the lease and they end up closing. And so when they close, remember he bought it for 1.2 million because there was a long-term tenant in place paying rent. When the KFC closed, the value of the property is only 500,000. Yeah. So with commercial, we, we essentially give value based on the income that it's producing. And so you have to understand how to, it's not, like you said, multifamily, you know, similar to residential, but you have to understand certain, uh, mathematical equations to give your client an overall perspective. Do you know what the capitalization rate is? Do you know the cash on cash return? Do you know, you know, different terminology that typically residential agents do, do, do not have an understanding of so that you can give your client the full perspective of where their offer should be? Yeah, it's very complicated. It really is a, a different world in, in many yeah. respects. And uh, I would say the wisest agents I know they not that they don't want to expand their skill set because you should uh -huh. always be expanding right. your skill set. Um, however, they don't, you know, play in, uh, you know, they don't swim in waters where they're not sure how deep it goes because right. um, it's just too dangerous, it's too scary, and they're probably just not going to do a great job for their client. Not because they're not wonderful people, they just don't have that skill set. Right. And for me. Uh, it seems, but you're right. It's it's easy to calculate if you find out what the commission would be. It's yeah. it's it's easy to look at that number and say I could probably get this done, and maybe you can. But boy, it's a tremendous amount of risk and stress. And for me, it right. seems you can refer it to a person like like of course like Moses, um, right. who can probably get the deal closed a lot faster and with better terms and he just, this is obviously what you do all day and right. then still get, you know, a certain percentage of the income right. as the, or, or, of the commission as the referral. And right. boy, it seems like a lot, a lot, you know, a lot better path to go. Right. Yeah. Like you said, you want to limit your liability 
and you want you don't want to do a disservice to your client. And so, like you said, you don't want something to come back to you, you know, on the back end. That's something that a commercial person would have called on the front end, like, hey, did you see this term? You know, you know, like you want to, you know, catch stuff up front. But if you don't know, then you don't know to advise your client on these different things. And so kind of like you said, there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of nuances that it's kind of hard to learn on the fly unless you have you you shadow someone. And like I said, I, I, I paid my dues. I'm still learning, but, you know, I've paid my dues. I've shadowed people. I've worked under people. I've you know, done deals with others. And now I've built, you know, to a certain point, I've invested in myself. I've, uh, we have what's called the CCIM. That's kind of like the premier designation. I'm investing in that, completing that course. So there's a lot of investment that goes into being a commercial real estate, not just outside of the tools, but the education and then getting the experience. Have you noticed, and obviously the pandemic has changed so many things, um, you know, a lot of us are sort of concerned in our local communities. And I know you don't have a crystal ball, obviously, nor do you speak for for every commercial agent. But and I know your particular sector isn't, um, you know, your specialty necessarily isn't like office space. But, um, you know, have you have you seen any trends that suggest that we're starting to return back to offices Are, 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 you know, our businesses, Obviously, it depends business to business, but are people, you know, working from home as much as they did during the pandemic or is it here to stay or where do you think we're headed there? I think it's still going to be a hybrid model. Um, I don't think people are going to work from the office five days a week, but I think what employers are doing now is enhancing the employee's experience. So now office buildings are having a lot of amenities. They're doing a lot of stuff that you know, encourages you to come to the office that you can't do at home, you know, whether it's because like you say, you want to keep company morale up, you know, there's certain things that it's hard to do, especially if you're a new, newer employee to learn, you know what I'm saying? Um, You want to be in the field, you want to build that company morale. And so I think it's about employers enhancing employees experience to encourage them to come to the office. But like I said, I do think it's going to be a hybrid model. I think most uh, companies are not going to force you to come in five days a week, but they are going to, you know, have you come in maybe twice a week, two to three times a week, and then the other two you work from home. So I do now that a lot of restrictions have been lifted. Um, like you said, there's vaccines and boosters out. Um, I think right now we're just learning to live with COVID. It's it's not going anywhere um, at this point. And of course, when numbers spike, then you know it might you know restrictions come back. But while we're open, you know people are returning to office. A lot of major companies, and you got to think there's a lot of money invested um, in these spaces. And so to let it completely go to waste. Um, I I don't think it's going to be a forever work from home. But like I said, it has created a lot of other opportunities, remote opportunities. But um, to answer your question, I I do believe it's going to be a hybrid of uh, of things and employers are going to learn how to better enhance the employee experience by coming into the office. So like I said, maybe offering yoga classes, you know, you know, outdoor space, you know, company park, like things that encourage you to come to the office that you sure. enjoy at home. Yeah, we, I, I, I think you're right. And I've also on the retail side, I've started here locally in Chicago and the neighborhoods that, that I'm most commonly in, yeah. I'm starting to see some of those vacant spaces 
slowly start to refill. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm excited for that. Curious if if that's happening um, in, in the areas that you're interested in in the South Side. Are we starting to see uh, retail um, returning? Um, where during the pandemic, obviously it it, it suffered tremendously. Um, yeah. are, are we starting to see that come back? Yeah. So you know, actually. I specialize in all of Chicago, Chicagoland area, but like I said, I just have more of a heart and passion for sure. the south side. But um, I do north side, west side, east side. Do it all. Yeah. To be, I'm, I'm on there. Uh, but to your point, yes, retail is making a comeback um, in terms of, because like you said, there's less restrictions before there was all the vaccine mandates and all that type of stuff. But people are getting back out there. Business are, businesses are are able to thrive a little bit better uh, with all the restrictions being lifted. Um, so we are seeing those, uh, you know, retail spaces get filled, leases be signed, things of that nature. So I'm seeing that across the board, not just here um, in the city, but also suburbs as well. That's a very exciting. So I, I always thought, oh boy, commercial is going to take this big hit uh, during the pandemic because office space is changing, people are working remotely. Uh, of course, that affects local businesses, uh, retail as well. People sitting at home all day—it's different when they get to walk around outside and shop. And now, with with you know uh, ways where we can get things delivered immediately to us, where we don't have to physically visit brick and mortar locations as much as we needed to before, right. which was the only way mostly to get goods and services. Now, a lot of uh, businesses are are delivery based, and so um, which is wonderful for convenience, um, but. Um, it's nice to know that that there are brick and mortar. We're seeing this revitalization of, of brick and mortar and people are, quite frankly, it seems, and again, I'm not speaking for anyone or, or everyone, but people are just tired of being inside. Correct. And, yeah, it's it's look, you know, it's it's great to be able to order things and have them delivered in a day or two. It's also cool to go out and and walk down the street and if you have uh, retail nearby yeah. to walk in and 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 see things. And if that all goes away, um, you know, if if we're if that actually goes away, just think about. And I really encourage everyone to really think about this and why it's yeah. important to support local businesses in particular, especially small businesses, yeah. um, but certainly all businesses, but but certainly wow. small ones, because if those go away, think about what that does to the aesthetic landscape of the the, the actual visible wow. landscape of the community. Wow. It changes. Right. I, I think the, the biggest thing is about the user experience. I think, like you said, people are tired of being cooped up inside and they want the experience. And it's so funny that you mentioned about small businesses, just because in the last 24 hours, I literally have just gotten two calls for small businesses that are literally busting out the seams in their current space and they need more retail space because the business is booming, people are coming back and they're just like, hey, our space, current space is too small. We need to purchase a larger facility that can house our things. And like I said, this has been two businesses in less than 24 hours, small businesses that have called me. And, and like I said, they have decent budgets to do that. So when you ask, is retail coming back by the calls that I'm getting? Yes, it is. That's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. And I, uh, I, I think it's 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 important for our audience to remember that, again, we, we don't really just, if you're a residential agent, you 
you have to not just support the homes in that community, but also think about how, what can I do to support these local businesses so that people may want to live in these communities right. where there's local businesses? Because right. I know, um, especially here in Chicago, we have all these wonderful neighborhoods and you get to choose which neighborhood you want to live in, depending on, you know, what you, what, where you want and what you can afford. And a lot of it for me is, uh, especially here is I like living by cool shops. I like yeah. that personally and yeah. I pay a premium to live by cool retail yeah. and if my if that retail go, and a lot of people where I live feel exactly the same way yeah. um there's great restaurants and cool yeah. you know shops and whatever yeah. um and if that all goes away guess what happens to the property value of of, of my property it goes wow. way way down yeah. and and not that it's important that I you know, make a ton of money when I end up selling my condo because who cares? But I want my community to be beautiful because I am not looking to move anytime soon. I want to stay. So I, I think about that when I'm purchasing things, I think, Hmm, not, not that this is, I'm on any sort of soapbox telling anybody what to do, but it's something to think about. And as realtors, we have a, a responsibility to help keep our local communities strong. And part of that is by su- supporting commercial, supporting retail, supporting all of the businesses that make up that community. Um, sorry, uh, a rant over, but I just wanted to make that point because it's easy for us to just think house, 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 house. And yeah. we don't think about all of the, the infrastructure that goes into making those homes attractive uh, with all these surrounding businesses. whether you're in a suburb that you live in, in a, in a residential development, well, you still need retail to support that residential development. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's really, really important. Um, as we, as we wrap up, um, I would like to talk again about getting involved. I, and, and I, I, sorry for going back to this for oh. anyone, if, if it's, if it's a broken record, but I, I really want to hear, um, you talk about how, like why we've talked about why it's important to you. How much have you learned about real estate? Has it furthered your knowledge by serving in all these different uh, volunteer sort of uh, opportunities? Um, you know, within the realtor sort of space, I have to imagine you just have more knowledge now about the entire industry and process. Yeah, it's not just about the industry itself. But, you know, I have been uh, an entrepreneur my entire life. And so I've never worked a nine to five job. I've never did any of those things. And so my first like uh, uh, experience in working into an organization was super eye opening to me. I didn't know how to run a meeting and how to pass a motion and how, you know, protocol in running an organization. So it gives you inside scoop on how to run an organization. So it builds your leadership skills. And then two, like you said, you do learn more about the industry. You learn about the history of the industry. You learn about what's coming and what to look out for, what to warn your clients about. You can also tell your clients, you know, like I said, each year, typically uh, the realtors, we have uh, Capital Day and we go to Springfield, Illinois, and we go talk to our local legislators. And can you imagine telling your clients, say, hey, uh, I went to Springfield to lobby on your behalf. I know that they're trying to increase taxes. I know they're trying to take away private uh, property rights. And I talked to my local uh, congressman and let them know that, no, we 
realtors, we do not stand with this, you know, X, Y, and Z. That makes you look so good in front of your client to let Absolutely. them have your best interest at heart. Because sometimes the perception is that realtors, what are we good for? You know, why are you guys getting paid all this money? Or really, really, it's not a lot of money when you break it down to how much cost and knowledge and investment that we put into our careers. And so it shows value. I think that's the biggest thing as realtors is showing our value. And so when you lead in, when you uh, accept these leadership positions, it creates value point because now you're knowledgeable, now you're gaining experience, and now you can advocate on your client's behalf, not just your client's behalf, but your industry's behalf. Well said. And, 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 and you're absolutely right. It also is an amazing thing to be able to say to your client to say, not, not that you would say it for right. this purpose, but to be able to say, Hey, just so you know, I I'm not available tomorrow because I'm heading down to our, our state Capitol to talk to our local uh, Congressman or a Senator or house, uh, you know, a, a rep yeah. uh, to talk about uh, rent control or to talk about, you know, whatever topics might be important that might directly affect realtors uh, on either side, whether it's commercial or residential. Right. Um, right. It's, it's certainly something that, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, not, not to cut you off, but one of the biggest things that was kind of on the chopping block is what we call 1031 exchange uh, that a lot of investors use. And that was, you know, uh, certain legislation was coming down the, the, the pipeline that was trying to X that, which would have caused a huge housing crisis more than what we're in now. I mean, it, it would have been insane um, if they would have chopped the 1031 exchange, which is a tax strategy that investors use to sum it up for those. But that, because I was able to speak and others were able to lobby and, and thankfully they didn't you know, chop it and do all those different things that was talked about initially. So th that's what you know being in these leadership positions do for you. It not only helps you as a business person, but it helps protect your industry that could have devastating uh, effects on, on, on your business. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And just to wrap up, uh, curious, uh, uh about music, um, yeah. let's talk about, about piano. What do you have? And you might not have a favorite. Yeah. It's okay. But do you have a favorite piece that you ever performed? Oh man. It, it's now that's, that's super hard because like you said, I, I, I play, you know, jazz performance. And so, you know, we studied Duke Ellington, we sure. actually, uh, Wynton Marcellus, he kind of lived in the area. So anytime before a large, uh, concert, he would come in and critique us and give us, wow. and, you know, things of that nature. Um, so it's, it's super hard to, uh, kind of say which song, cause like I said, I did jazz. I actually grew up playing gospel, you know, R&B, soul, wow. country, pop. So it's just hard for me to pick one song. It just depends on the mood I'm in. But that, um, that's a good I, point. Um, <laughs> I, I know for 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 jazz pianists, the only uh, pianist that I'm super familiar with, and I'm not even that familiar, um, would be like Bill Evans from yes. like, uh, Bill Evans is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Thelonious Monk. Uh, yes. Um, I guess Herbie Hancock, of course. Yeah, um, yes. and, uh, and then there's a guy and, and <laughs> I'm only going to say this is so funny we're not a music show, but if everyone, I want everyone to check this out. I think it's just a fun, if you're not a jazz person, this is a great album to try out. Dave Brubeck had an album <laughs> called take five or timeout. I think it's called timeout. Yes, yes. Yes. And it's, it's a real accessible, yeah. fun, you know, and it's kind of like 
I don't know. It's it's a fun album. It's it's a very accessible album. Yes. Chick Corea, of course, yes. as well. So th- those are the Duke Ellington, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many great. Oh my gosh, I I could I could. Uh, yeah, maybe it's, I... It's, it's 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 hard to choose. So like you said, I've been fortunate to be able to combine my love for real estate and music, and actually have my own music publishing company. Um, and so what What's I do that? is it's called Mohawk Publishing. So what I do is I acquire uh, publishing rights to notable artists. Wow. Uh, to, to, to certain songs. So anytime a particular song is streamed online, played on radio, placed on a TV ad, I generate a royalty check. That's amazing. Good for you. That is, uh, that's really awesome. And are you still playing uh, piano as well? Yes, yes. So I, I still play out, uh, you know, occasionally, not as much as I used to in my younger years, uh, but I still get out there and play on the scene. Wow. Good, good for you. Well, we'll, um, if, if there's any, uh, any samples, uh, that we can uh, provide to our, our audience, <laughs> we'd, we'd love to feature you. Maybe there's a YouTube video we can grab or something. Um, that would be, be really fun for us, but Moses, thank you so much for being on our show. I, I think you are extremely enlightening about the importance of, you know, working with a trusted commercial partner. And by the way, we should also mention, that you know Moses is a a great person to uh, to know in this industry. So if you do have any commercial opportunities that are happening here in the Chicago area, including the suburbs, he he works all over because of course businesses are all over. Um, he would he would love the opportunity to chat with you. So if you're an agent that maybe has a business moving in here or or needs some help. Uh, or any anyone who's maybe an investor in the commercial space, um, Moses, what's the best way somebody should reach out to you? You can reach me on all social media platforms at Moses, M-O-S-E-S, Hall, H-A-L-L. So I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. You can find me, Google me. I'm definitely findable and I'll definitely respond to your uh, messages as soon as possible. And also visit him on his website, which is Mohall Commercial UD, which stands for Urban Development, Mohall Commercial UD.com. And again, Mohall Commercial on Instagram. We'll have those links in the show notes. Well, Mo, thank you so much for being on our show. Uh, appreciate your time and uh, also appreciate all your service to the industry. You're helping us um, in ways that we don't even know because most of us aren't as connected in to what's happening behind the scenes to help keep our jobs safe. Uh, and also our, our just uh, the regulations in line with the, you know, the National Association of Realtors vision and goals, which is to protect our livelihoods. So we are super grateful to you for that. And also a good reminder to everyone else to think about a way that you can get involved and contribute. And, um, you know, you'll just uh, have a lot of fun doing it and also do some good along the way. Um, so uh, on behalf of everyone uh, here who's listening, uh, thank, we want to thank Moses for his time today. And of course, on behalf of Moses and myself, we want to thank our audience. You're the reason we can continue to uh, to put these episodes out because you keep listening and you keep telling a friend. And we'll remind uh, you and ask you for a quick favor to tell one other friend about our show. If you haven't already, um, please tell other agents that we exist. We want to keep growing as well. So anyone that you can think of that might be interested in hearing from from somebody like Moses, who does so much for our industry, um, or just wants to learn more about commercials, send them a link to this episode. Um, easiest way to do that, we have a website, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done, you can stream live right there. Or if the person you're referring to has is a podcast listener, just have them pull up any podcast app search for keeping it real and hit that subscribe button. And also please, last thing we'll ask from you, please leave us a review on whatever app you might be listening. That really helps us 
learn more about how to better improve our show and also what you like and what you don't like so we can keep uh, modifying it to better meet your needs. So thank you so much, um, Moses, for your time today and uh, really appreciate it. We will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks, Mo. Thank you. Oh, 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 o